Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wright, joined here by the one and only Matt Lemoyan. Matt. How are you yes. doing on this fine, fine Monday morning after gaining an hour back this weekend? Yeah. You have your own sleep and you have older children. So I, I think you, that actually benefits you. We are. Sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Always good to be back on B-Side. And um, yeah, our kids are just maybe starting to get to the point where they are able to sleep in and maybe appreciate sleeping in. They, really what it's just done, though, is just thrown off the schedules quite a bit. Mm. Like we let them stay up a little later on Saturday than we normally would have. Um yeah, and so no, we're still kind of getting used to the the daylight savings schedule now. So we're in the middle of that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we uh, had a good Sunday yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I, maybe an average Sunday in yeah. the the swath of the the life of Liberty Church. But yeah, we're like in the middle of fall. We're kind of charging head headlong into Advent. Only like a month away, which is crazy. But some great stuff going on in the life of our church and our, mm-hmm. our Liberty Communion with. Uh, a lunch and learn after the service yesterday yeah. for safe families. And then the first ever Liberty communion global gathering in Glenside last night, heard a report back uh, from Mike Schuff. Uh, our, like it was an awesome time yeah. of, of worship. Yeah. And even appropriate night for of worship this. after yeah. the sermon that we had yesterday. Where Absolutely. We kind of recaptured a little bit from an unexpected passage. This, the uh, enormity of God's redemptive mission that has implications not just for Israel, but for our sake yeah. as, as Gentiles that have been grafted into this yeah. whole thing. Absolutely. Uh, the, it, the responsibility we have as a church to continue that mission. So that's, right. that, that's a really cool consistency, I, yeah. I think. There. It, it was really, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how um, these things are, they come together without us planning them. And then, of course, when we start to see them, we try to try to emphasize what, what has kind of come together. But yeah. when we initially mapped out the series, we weren't thinking automatically that, oh yeah, on the day we talk about the, the nations and God's heart for the world mm-hmm. will also be the first Sunday of November that we're talking about the persecuted church and the yeah. idea of um, praying for brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, nor did we know yeah. it was going to be the, the Liberty Communion Global Gathering. So it was like, yeah, which is awesome. It's really it's cool like to the see. Holy Spirit. Does, yeah, does stuff like it's that, like there's right? some kind of providential power behind all yeah, of these things that you know coincidentally let's say it was it was a really cool day to see all that come together. Yeah, and and newsflash, guys, God's heart for the world it's all over the Bible, so that you know you can't sure. can't really run away from that. And uh, even for this, I guess uh, retired mobilizer's heart yesterday was. Are you retired yeah. now? Are you officially hanging it up? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm still mobilizing. You know, in the, yeah. in the local church side of things, yeah. I'm no longer doing that professionally. It's yeah. really good for my heart, and even part of my own story of why I even wanted per, wanted to pursue ministry in the yeah. first place was seeing this global consistency, this consistency of God's redemptive narrative yeah. change my heart and, and made me see the Bible in a new way. Hmm. Uh, as a college student, as a kid that grew up in, in church that knew a lot about the Bible, man, yeah. it just blew up my my brain yeah. and turned on a lot of light bulbs for me. So yeah, that's good. I was really encouraged uh, by uh, your your love for global missions yesterday, Matt. Hmm. Knowing that yeah. you, you've come from some of that background, too, even yeah. in your own ministry. You, you and I share that. We both have worked for a missionary sending agency yep. at some point in our life before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and we were we got to I guess yeah. just so where were, yeah, where were we yesterday? What did, what did you cover? We were in Exodus 17 and 18. Yeah. So why don't you give us a quick recap from from yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's what I would call a hinge passage in the book of Exodus. So the first half is about what Israel's freed from, slavery and oppression in Egypt. The second half, which we'll get into next week, uh, what Israel's freed for, mm-hmm. which is you know faithfulness and to follow God, to walk in His ways, the giving of the law through Moses, really the rest of the book of Exodus. Yeah. So this hinge passage between we get these glimpses of how the the people of the world, nations of the earth, are going to interact with and respond to God's deliverance of His people, mm-hmm. um, and then we also get a little bit about the need for for the people of God to be led and shepherded and cared for, and and how that's going to play out a little yeah. bit. Little previews of both. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, at the end of Exodus seventeen and eighteen. Uh, really did that in two points, talked about decision, that God's deliverance will lead the people of the world to a decision point. Mm. Uh, and we see this this little preview in, in the Amalekites and in Jethro. Some will choose war like the Amalekites. Some will choose worship like yep. Jethro. And then delegation being the other kind of main main point yesterday, that delivered people still need direction. They still need to be cared for and led. And that that's a ministry that's meant to be delegated among the people of God, not just held by like one primary leader or yeah. even a few primary leaders. So um, we get to see both of those things in these chapters. We kind of fleshed out some implications of what that looks like now on this side of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. what our role is in global mission, what our, our role is in, in the shared ministry of the people of God. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit about where we went yesterday. Yeah, and it, it, again, it was really encouraging text uh, and, and passage, again, familiar passage. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting. So we've been talking a lot the last several weeks about Moses' mediator, yeah. right? Yeah, um, And it kind of like dulls your brain to think about we can lose maybe Moses' humanity because yeah. we've seen him being this really confident mediator. But on display in this passage in several different ways, we yeah. see Moses' exhaustion totally. uh, in this whole process, which makes a ton of sense in light of everything that has happened mm-hmm. up until now in, in the Exodus. Um, yeah. And one of our faithful questioners yeah. uh, has a question kind of in that vein. Yeah. That one of the things that kind of exacerbated Moses's humanity yeah. uh, was we see this interaction with the Amalekites. We see the people of God taking up arms against them. Um, and we see that Moses has to hold his arms up. Yeah. And he gets so tired yep. uh, that he has to sit on a rock. And then, you know, he has to have two friends hold his arms up in the process. And so the questioner is saying, um, having Moses arms be held high and he said, receive God's blessing, which I don't, I don't know if we see that blessing component in the text or not. And maybe, sure. maybe you can speak sure. to that. Um, it seems to be an odd detail. Mm-hmm. Was it not enough for his spirit to be oriented to God? Um, his body had to follow mm-hmm. um, so, something that he wasn't even physically capable of doing on his own. Is there any wisdom or apt- application in that that we should be paying attention to? Mm-hmm. Or is the text highlighting Moses's frailty and humanity here? Yeah. Or is it both and? It's a really good question. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as him being blessed by God in this as much as it was a, a meeting out of God's judgment through the mediator Moses. And yeah. so that even like the staff, and you were pointing out what yeah. you were talking before. It's attributed it's, as God's staff. Yeah, for the first time we see it called the staff of God, yeah. not just take the staff that's in your hand, Moses, but it's the staff of God. Yeah. And this, um, I think it's both that this is still, though the Israelites are now taking a more active role in this, like at the Red Sea, they were silent. They just watched. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Moses held the staff up and, and it happened. The Israelites are more active now in this. Joshua is told to, to get a group of people and actually go into battle and fight mm-hmm. the Amalekites. Yeah. 
but it's still God who is judging the Amalekites. It's still God who is going to, to work for his people on their behalf. So the staff is representing that has to be held high, coupled with Moses is just a human being. He needs yes. help. That's all throughout both both vignettes here yes. in this part of the in this part of Exodus. And that he is also not the only one that is qualified to take up significant responsibility and authority among among God's yeah. people. So he needs help. He's not um though he's a mediator, he's not the mediator. Yeah. He he's not sufficient to yep. be the ultimate mediator. He's in not himself. And I, I would see that really as his this, I think this questioner is asking really wisely. It's not just a spiritual thing, but there's a physical reality of that. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, you know, we are embodied human beings. It's not just about a matter of having enough faith in our soul and spirit, but but our, our body actually yeah. has limits that are created by God and, and certain limits that are yeah. good. And then the fall affects us and all those things. So I, I think this person's on, on a good track there. Maybe the question of like, is there any wisdom or application we should be paying attention to today? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say from the both of these texts, to remember that you're only human, hmm. uh, to not to not try to, even as you are invited to do significant work for the kingdom of God and global mission and shared ministry, um, if your proclivity is to like, like some of us, probably both yeah. you and I, Jenna, uh-huh. uh, to go all in on that front, we, yeah. we tend to maybe ignore that there are limits to, to and even good limits yeah. to our humanity, that we're not, we're not supposed to do everything yeah. <laughs> ourselves or try. Yeah. We're, we're not meant to do this thing in isolation. We're saved to a people right. uh, collectively to do this thing, which we'll get to that a little bit That's later right. in the, like, the delegation section. But mm-hmm. a really thought-provoking question. And I think that there's a yeah. lot to say there about recognizing our own humanity uh, sure. and frailty yep. and our, our limits it is a countercultural experiment that we probably should be practicing more often. And there's yeah. some really good resources, I think, that are – yeah. around in that universe. We talked about one, uh, praying like monks, living like fools. And yeah. is there a really good example of yeah. that in our prayer series? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there like that, that I think yeah. are really helpful in that space. One, one that our elders read together about a year ago or so was called, was by Kelly Capick and it's called, it's just called you're only human. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating thing in that too, that draws out what's not always obvious is that limits are part of being creatures, yeah. not the creator. Mm-hmm. So they're actually there. There were limits to being creatures, to being human beings yep. before the fall. Mm-hmm. So like we tend to think about like, well, I'm limited. We tend to think of that as a byproduct of like because sin fractured everything. And I think we will be in our glorified bodies too. That there'll still the be way. some limits. There's still goodness to certain limits, yeah. like to need to rest sometimes. So you know, like the Sabbath, like these mm-hmm. things are all built into creation pre-fall. Yeah. Um, and so there's actually something good about our humanity, imaging God that is limited. Yeah. So that great book would highly recommend on that front. If that's something that people want to do a deeper yeah, dive that's, into. It's a, it's a great call out there. And I think really helpful. So maybe moving on a little bit in that first section, we talked about decisions, right? We talked about this idea that the uh, redemption of God, the, that, that it basically elicits a response of people from different nations. Yeah. So um, it's not just Israel that has to respond to this. We see in this passage two examples of how people from different nations or, or a whole group of people from a different nation responded to this. Yeah. Uh, and those two responses were worship and war, as you said in your recap. Mm-hmm. So why don't we maybe start with worship for yeah, a second? Yeah, sure. Uh, we had a questioner that was kind of asking about Jethro. Yeah. And they uh, cheekingly kind of... Uh, <laughs> Remarked about the fact that, and you even emphasized this yesterday, I was giving you a hard time before we got on uh, today. Uh, The text repeatedly describes Jethro as Moses' father. 
father-in-law. That it does. Um, that and it does. he said, redundancy aside, was there a reason for this emphasis of the family relationship? What are, mm. what are some of your thoughts there? Yeah. Um, I have found out, folks, Matt loves his father-in-law. So, uh, but if you do have a relationship with your father-in-law, that's complicated. Sure. That's okay. Sure. Uh, go see our partner at In Him Christian they, That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's a great little commercial right there. I love it. Yeah, it's like 12 different times. I don't know. I, I should have counted him up. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of times. That Man, that's a missed opportunity. really obvious that like this is Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. Yeah. Indeed, that is that is the relationship. I Yeah, I think uh, redundancy aside, a um, couple thoughts. And this is going to be all conjecture because we're not really given a specific reason in yeah. the text of why. But um, one is you think about Moses again in the nature of his humanity mm-hmm. and the fact that he is put from obscurity shepherding for four years now is like the human agent of God's deliverance and now is responsible for whatever the actual number is, 2 million people, this huge number of Israelites. Yeah. Yeah. Huge number of Israelites coming out of Egypt. He is like the the mediator, the guy for them in that moment. Um, Who does he go to? Like Mm -hmm. who, who is, who is both like helping him shoulder the burden. Mm -hmm. Jethro's going to have some advice. His father's going to have some advice about that. Yeah. But also the part that maybe isn't as obvious who has the courage and the position in his life to kind of call him out on stuff when it's even gently like he did in this passage, because there's not an obvious person that's going to go, Hey, that guy talks with God, carries around a staff that is like used in really powerful ways. We just saw him defeat an army by holding the staff up above his head. Yeah. Who's going to call that guy out when they see stuff that's like maybe not healthy. Um, His father-in-law by age Mm-hmm. Moses has a lot of humility. Moses could choose in this moment to be like, yeah. hey, hey, Jethro, thanks for the job for 40 years, but like, I'm the guy now. Mm-hmm. Now I don't listen to anybody. And he doesn't, he he openly welcomes Jethro's counsel. Yeah. But Jethro has a position in his life that uh, Moses has respect and deference to, mm-hmm. opens himself up in humility. I think maybe it's emphasizing, here's an older man that I look to and respect mm-hmm. and will listen to. Maybe then parallel in tandem with that, um, probably was one of Moses's closest friends yep. just because like 40 years together with maybe not a whole lot of other options even. Yeah. And he's married to, to Jethro's daughter. Mm. I think, I think there probably was a really sweet, it seems like that the embrace, yeah. the welcome here seems very like affectional, yeah. affectionate. Um, and that I think there's maybe also something to that being, we don't know it's against conjecture, but after the beginning of this book, like we don't hear about Moses's biological father anymore. Nope. We like he he's put in the basket, you know. Then his mom nurses him for a while. I guess maybe presumably dad's still in the in the picture mm-hmm. in that moment. But then when he goes to live in the, the daughter of Pharaoh's home, grows up, we don't hear about biological mom and dad anymore. Right. And and almost certainly they died somewhere either in those years mm-hmm. or or for sure in the years he was then gone for oh, forty yeah. years in in uh, away from Egypt. So. Jethro is the closest thing he's got to a dad, mm-hmm. probably for at least the vast majority of his life. Yep. And so I think that also is part of the affection and love. He's just kind of continually writing like, yeah. hey, this is my father-in-law. This is my father-in-law. Yeah. And I think there's also something to the fact that we have to rem- remember that Jethro all those years ago received Moses at his worst. Yeah. He was a murderer. He was, yeah, running. He yep. had nowhere to go. Yep. And he brought him into his family and yep. made him a son. Yep. Great uh, And so there's a, there's a lot of depth there that supersedes all of this. And I think there there is that. Yeah. That familiarity, though, I think is is really, really seems to be what's em- emphasized in this. Like, man, like 
he knows him really well, and that could be a, a great source of encouragement, but also a great source of rebuke. We yeah. need it, you know. Yep. We we need the firm hand to say, "Hey, Moses, yeah, man, not you good. can't do all that. That's <laughs> yeah. not healthy." And I, yeah. I love that he called that out he in did. this text, man. Like that's a bad idea. Yep. You, you you no one person can do all of that, and yep. that, that's a helpful, I think, call out to each of us. Yeah, and maybe even a good. A means of conversation in your Bible studies is, when, yeah. man, like, are you feel, feeling overwhelmed? Yeah. Are you neglecting taking mm. a Sabbath rest? Are you yeah. uh, trying to toil? Are, are you not sleeping well at night because your brain is toiling yeah. about all the things that need to be done? Yeah. Um, is there a conversation there that needs to be had for you in the community of people mm. that know you as well that can yeah. receive you at your best, but at your worst as yeah. well? Uh, I think that's a really good call out there from, mm-hmm. from the text and even something we can learn from Moses's humanity and yeah. frailty in this, yep. this text. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that I think is really helpful. Yeah. Um, so why don't we switch gears? Yeah. Maybe a little less encouraging. Yeah. Uh, we have the Amalekites here <laughs> yeah. uh, that did not choose worship. They, they chose war. True. Uh, and <laughs> so we, we have a questioner that's kind of asking about this whole thing. At the, the end of this whole section, he said, uh, and they even kind of like made a memorial to this at the end of this passage. So right. God promised to utterly blot out the Amalekites' uh, mm-hmm. name from the earth. Uh, but to the, the sorry, the questioner says they also said that they should record this event. So it's like, <laughs> so what's what's what all is going on there? Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe even how should we think about God blotting out yeah. uh, a people group in yeah. this sense? Yeah, it's a good question. And yeah, there is. So there's a paradox here. There's there's a judgment being pronounced on this people for the way they respond to, to God's deliverance and his people mm. who are delivered now. Um, they're being judged. They're being blotted out. But then like write yeah. it down. The, well, look, we, we still know the name of the Amalekites now. So yeah. like they're not completely blotted out. Yeah. And um, I think what that is, is and, and I think about this, you know, what Paul writes about how everything that was written down in these former times was written down for our instruction. Mm. And we're meant to learn from it. I think that was also true for the generations of Israelites that will follow mm. is that they're needed that in a sense, you know, if God's judgment is that he's going to take out a group of people uh, like the Amalekites, um, there also needs to be a record that he's done that so that people know that that's happened. Otherwise it's like, if they're completely blotted yeah. out, there's no reminder anywhere that exists that judgment has actually been meet. That is it. That it is a serious thing to choose war yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to, 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 to go against the purposes mm-hmm. of the one true God. So there needs to be at least somewhere along the mm-hmm. way, even if the judgment is going to be, this people group is going to not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there still needs to be a record of that so that there's for the people of the, in the future yeah. that will have to choose war or worship. Yeah. No, like, Oh, this is a thing that has happened before. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the that's maybe the paradox of like yeah. they won't exist, but you'll know that they don't exist anymore yeah. because it'll be written down in this memorial book. And then there's also the provisional piece, the positive side of that. Yeah. There's a provisional piece that God, it wasn't necessarily Moses working, it was God executing judgment right. on their behalf. That's right. In the scenario that and and even raising up Joshua, who would become another uh, form of mediator deliverer uh, to come in this scenario. Um, so there's a lot of depth into that discussion as well yeah. uh, that I think is really helpful yep. um, to, 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 to think on in this, this discussion as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so maybe moving on from that, uh, being a little bit more practical, you know, mm-hmm. so we talked about worship and war. Um, one questioner 
is wrestling with this idea of those of us who maybe like initially respond to God's revelation and, and, and all of this with worship. Like yeah. we do yeah. bend our knee yeah. to Jesus ultimately. Yep. Yep. Um, becoming a stench hmm. um, as opposed to this aroma that uh-huh. we talked about from, from Corinthians, that aroma that we, we talked yeah. about and effectively make war. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? And then what posture or bumper rails or, or guidelines or guards yeah. uh, can we think of that are important to prevent that from happening yeah. uh, from, from those things? Yeah. Here, here's what comes to mind for me is, is to think about the future generations of Israelites when they become especially a united and then divided monarchy or even like all the way to the first century yeah. in the time of Jesus where you have the descendants of Abraham, the people of God who have chosen formally, functionally worship. They, you know, they have a temple in Jerusalem. They're worshiping at it. They're saying we do follow the one true God, but um, effectively have, have made war because they have forgotten what their purpose actually is. Mm -hmm. They have actually, you know, functionally are, are not following the commands of God or they're creating all these other commands around the commands of God, which effectively keep people away. So Mm -hmm. maybe the best little vignette of that, this is all over scripture, but the best little vignette of that, at least that comes to mind in this moment is when, is when Jesus has his infamous uh, clearing of the temple, Mm -hmm. the, the contextual stuff in that moment that I think is really insight, you know, helpful to know is the court that he is clearing out is, is the court around the temple that was called the court of the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So there was a, there was a, there was the Holy of Holies. There was an initial court where circumcised Israelite men could come. There was a court called the court of the Gentiles where non-Israelites could come and worship the one true God. Sojourners, you know, uh, God fearers that would come, they could yep. worship there. There was a court of the women that could come. So the Gentiles in the, in the, in the regular court were just for men. Then there was the court of the women. Mm-hmm. Some of that whole dividing, dividing walls of hostility, right. That Jesus breaks down are, are, or even like referencing the imagery of even the, those different walls around the, the temple. You can hear my disdain in the uh-huh for the women being so... For that separation, <laughs> separation. of the... And what some of what Jesus is redeeming and you yeah. know, Galatians 3 speaks to. But the in this moment, the, the purpose of Israel would be it's a light to the nations. Yeah. And they were taking up the core of the Gentiles where the nations could come and worship at the temple. Yeah. And they were making it impossible to worship there by selling stuff, by having yeah. animals making there, by having... profit and yes. taking advantage of those... And so I think that's an, that's a picture in my mind of what this question is describing, mm-hmm. where people who have formally or functionally chosen worship have effectively are effectively choosing war, are effectively pushing people yeah. from the nations away and not actually being the light to the nations that they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. So that's at least maybe a yes. I do think this happens. Um, and then the, to this this more so practical almost even question: training stumbling blocks for others to worship could be even a form of this is maybe what you're saying. I think that's exactly where my mind goes into the practical side is what are, I would think of it in terms of what are necessary and unnecessary obstacles to the gospel. Mm, So a necessary obstacle to the gospel, you know, when it describes like Jesus as like the cornerstone, it describes Jesus as like the rock on which the people will stumble or will fall on them. Like Jesus is a necessary obstacle. Mm. Like if you, what you do with Jesus is the obstacle. Like if you were, if you refuse to, look to him and his saving work to be your, to be your salvation. Um, that's an obstacle that we need to keep in place. Yeah. That's a necessary one. Yeah. The unnecessary ones being like, um, okay. Like, you know, everything from certain kind of preference of yeah. music or, um, 
you know, kind of what you'd call maybe second, third, fourth order beliefs that you mm-hmm. say, until you line up with all of these things first, you're not actually in the kingdom of God. Those more legalistic yes. Pharisee, the yeah. Pharisees requirements around the law. Um, I think, man, I think one that is complicated to get into, but like, um, do we, are we trying to require people of the world to conform with the morality, mm. the ethics of Jesus first without, before they are being transformed by Jesus? Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's what I would call an unnecessary obstacle that you'd actually, you should feel alleviated from the pressure to try to make someone conform morally to the ethics of the kingdom of God until oh. they actually deal with the obstacle of Jesus. Like, yeah. what do you do with Jesus is like the, the main question on which to, to like hold the line essentially yeah. and let people choose war or worship. Mm-hmm. So that I, practically that's where my mind goes. Yeah. The posture being invitational to like really come and see and consider Jesus, not to ignore those other conversations because that's, that's part of relationship and, and just being yeah. in community with people, but to make the stumbling block Christ and Christ crucified mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, not the other stuff. Yeah. No, that, and that's really, really helpful. I, even with other believers, I think we can even get into like a Corinthians discussion of, you know, not all things are lawful, but not all, yeah. they're not profitable. Yep. There's, there's a, yep. there's a sliding scale of wisdom and freedom yep. in that, in that decision-making yeah. that is always dependent though on others that we're in community with. And yeah. I think that's just a really, those are really helpful kind of handholds to evaluate both ends of that perspective of missionally, those yeah. who are lost that don't yeah. know Jesus but also those that are brothers and sisters in Christ that we're acknowledging we have sin in yeah. our lives that we have, yeah. we have potholes that we can fall ditches that we can fall into. And it's yeah. unnecessarily creating stumble blocks to, to our responses of worship the day in day out is also, I think in that for that sure as well. That's right. Um, that's right. And that's, and, and maybe the other one to add to it is just the, like our personality can be an unnecessary obstacle. Like if we're trying to be like abrasive or we're trying to like, you know, you're laughing because you probably like, like, I'm well, an eight on the Enneagram. Well, like, and, and know, like we, I've never been accused of being soft. <laughs> <laughs> but like we can, you know, like, and this probably plays out more in places like social media where we all like, no one behaves like the way that they probably would in real life. But the, um, oh, I don't know. but the like, maybe, maybe they do. But the idea of like, are we, are we, you know, like, like Peter would say, the way to faithfully be the aroma of Christ is and the way to give a reason for the hope that is in us is with mm. gentleness and respect. Yeah. So that, to the posture question here, that's, that's a, really that's a posture. Point. Yeah. So if our personality is not naturally gentle and respectful, <laughs> if, our, if our personality is more confrontative, it doesn't mean don't confront. It just means labor hard to, to bring the confrontation mm. to the necessary obstacle of Jesus with as much gentleness and respect as, as mm. you can find in, as a fruit of the spirit. Being sanctified by God. Okay, so continuing (laughs) on this conversation then toward more mission, right? Because I think this is trending in that direction anyway. You talked about Israel being this light to the nations, and you talked about yesterday that salvation also, and even responding in worship really leads to this displaying and proclaiming the gospel. Our word and deeds should be uh, proclaiming these truths that are true of ourselves, right? Inviting others into that. Uh, so we have a, a questioner that, that's really asking, okay, um, although we are participating in God's kingdom by being witnesses wherever we go, how should we be involved mm. in God's global work? Um, not all are called to go, uh, but aren't we all called to do something to participate in God's work around the world? So I, I think these are two really good yeah. questions. What are 
some of the thoughts you have here, Matt. Yeah, well, I'll give a short answer, and then I'm going to kick it over to our resident missiologist, <clears throat> the one who has an MDiv. I said MDiv. I'm retired. One of, one of the two of us has an MDiv in missiology, and it's not me. So the, um, I, the way I've always heard it framed, I think this is a great question, and I think the answer is yes. We are all called to somehow participate. Mm-hmm. The, the common breakdown I've always heard is pray, give, go. Yep. So you can be someone who prays about the advance of the gospel around the world. You can be someone who gives financially to support mm-hmm. that or finds other ways to support people who are going, um, or you can go yourself. And there's a, there's an obedience to the great commission and particularly the all nations part of Mm -hmm. the great commission that those are maybe the three options that you could do more than one, but like those are, so that's at least the grid that I've come across and I think is a helpful one. But Mm -hmm. what, what would you add to that, Jenna? Yeah. I mean, I think that's mostly helpful in the categories that most missions agencies are using. Maybe something that they would add would be like an equip category. So like coming alongside of national believers and leaders throughout their own countries and actually uh, giving them resources or training or or access to maybe even seminary education, things that they may not have uh, uh, present right actively where they're at in their location and thinking about ways to sustainably do missions in places where uh, it doesn't make a ton of pastors aren't making a lot of money. Right. So there's, Things of creativity and training that kind of exist in that space, too, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that are really helpful. Those are just big picture, broad categories, though. Yeah. I, I think maybe, I, I don't know, there's a lot of things here. We're a church that is a church planting minded church. Sure. Uh, we're supporting uh, missionaries. We had our own be sent out uh, yeah. for two years just recently, Dana yeah. Sherwood, yeah. Uh, which her birthday's coming up, guys. Oh, send yeah. her happy birthday. Love. Good reminder. Good reminder. Uh, so uh, just a little side note on that. Send her happy birthday. She would love that. Yeah. Um, but the side note to that is I think we can trick ourselves, though, Matt, to think we're participating in God's mission when we give money toward a church plant or like sure. maybe we're collectively doing something and we yeah. can very easily maybe give ourselves a check mark there sure. and not really maybe put our our hands open toward the Lord yeah. and say, am I being entrusted to do something different or sure. more? Beyond am I right. content with the uh, where I'm living and yeah. my family structure and education and all yeah. these things to the point where I'm unwilling mm-hmm. to go outside of my comfort zone yeah. uh, to share the gospel with others yeah. in our lives. It's really good. Um, any thoughts on that? That's me. Maybe yeah. remind those. I think we can fall into those traps where we live in this yeah. suburban world that we're, we're surrounded yeah. by comfort and all these things. Yeah, and it is easier for many of us. The, the, the average person living church is, you know, upper middle class, highly educated person that's making an income, which they have disposable income. And so we are generous, yeah. which is, which is beautiful and does fuel the work of missions. So it's not to say that, that, that we shouldn't do that, but it is often easier to, for us, especially to yeah. be able to say, well, I, I'm involved in global missions because I support this mm-hmm. missionary and, and you are, but that's the, the right, the right challenge appropriately is to kind of at certain moments reevaluate and go like, is there, is there an additional way that I would, yeah. that God would be calling me to do that? And even even the idea in the Great Commission of go is mm-hmm. more the setting the context of as you go. Yep. And so like as even you are going, as really. you are going. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a, so two ways maybe that come to mind that you can go or as you are going, even if you never go to a distant land mm-hmm. would be if you're involved in refugee ministry, you're caring yep. for people that come here from, from the nations mm-hmm. of the earth. Which we have a lot in this region. A lot in this region. And then there's even some rumors right now, which I have not confirmed, but like that there might be as many as 10,000 um, Afghan refugees coming yeah. from from Afghanistan here in, in sometime in the next several years. So mm-hmm. it's like that would be an, another huge opportunity yeah, and sure. need. Refugee ministry and then um, 
student ministry, particularly campus, camp, college campuses, yes. um, where people, you know, international students mm-hmm. come from the world to different institutions in the United States for education, and then they go back. And yes. if and if there's a lot of strategic value to reaching international students while they're here, if they become followers of Christ, to then go back to yeah. the place that they're from. So those are two ways to maybe participate in maybe in categories that don't necessarily automatically ping on the radar for people for in that pray, give, go or equip kind of grid. Right. And and I would say too, I mean, anytime I have a conversation with someone as a mobilizer, yeah. I'm asking what they're doing to make disciples right where they live mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Start there. Uh, if you're thinking about global missions and you're not really sure what to do and you're yeah. toiling with some of that, like yeah. you're not the only one. I want to say yeah, you're not alone good. in that. If you want to talk with people about that, the yeah. two of us would love to do that. For we sure. have a global missions team. Reach out to uh, Mike Schuff on yep. that. He, yep. he leads that team. Um, by all means, have those conversations. Yeah. Um, but man, don't neglect disciple making where you live. Yeah, that's uh, right. You're not going to go across the world if you're not if you're not yeah. prioritizing sharing the gospel. If you're not making disciples here. Yeah. Um, if you're not thinking through how to access people that don't know Jesus. Yeah. You're not going to do that across the world. Yeah, that, that's that's right. just a reality in this whole process. And I, I, Bob uh, Carvella, Pastor Bob, yeah. sent out an email even this week for. Yeah. For us to even consider, man, what does disciple making yeah. look like even in our community? Yeah. So if you're, I think that was to our, yeah. just to our Bible study group. Did that leaders. go to the Bible study group leaders? leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. maybe even talking through that, though, yeah. in your group, like maybe you're looking for uh, an older person to invest in you. Yeah. Maybe you're newer to the faith and yeah. you, you don't know what you're doing and you want someone to come alongside of you. Um, let yeah. us be resources that help you think through that process. Yeah. And honestly, that contributes to this whole discussion of how do we actually be on mission with mm-hmm. God? Like we we can't be disciple yeah. makers if we're not first a healthy disciple. That's right. That's the discussion I always have yeah. as as a mobilizer, yeah. evaluating maturity and yeah. discipleship and, and being discipled yourself um, is uh, the, the health from which uh, healthy participation in God's mission flows. Yeah, that's uh, good. And that's the discussion I have all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my soapboxes. No, no, it's a good soapbox. Thanks it's a, for letting me take it's a good, that. No, it's a good soapbox. Uh, yeah, and for outing me uh, for my end of So there's <laughs> that uh, uh, over there. Um, maybe second question in, in this realm then. Um, obviously, you said yesterday, our participation in God's mission. So us sharing God's okay. redemption to the world yeah. is going to elicit similar responses. Yeah. Uh, some will, praise God, respond in worship. Yeah. Um, but I think we've all experienced in at least small minutia. Yeah. We've never had the Amalekites. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I've never had to fight someone no. physically yeah, uh, o- over this uh, yeah. in this scenario. Um, yeah. How should we respond yeah. when people uh, respond with warfare or what can we respect? Like expect what are some maybe yeah. forms of warfare re- responses that, yeah. that people might actually be facing right now? And what hope is there for them in that process. Yeah, it's really good. I like the question a lot. And I would say the first thing as far as how should we respond is to not be surprised because <laughs> um, we're always surprised and we just shouldn't be because yeah. Jesus promised exactly that, that mm-hmm. if the world hates him, yeah, it's going to hate his followers. Hate even more. So I think there's, you know, that hatred is part of the same warfare is part yeah, of the same. Sure. So I think to not be surprised, mm-hmm. let that, you know, um, I meant, I tried to get in a little bit yesterday to say, to not take it personally in mm-hmm. an overly personal, like, it does matter how we personally labor to do this well. For sure. The posture question we spoke to a little while ago, that like that really does matter. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, the responses people have to you 
uh, even when you're doing it as best as you possibly can, are not personal. It's just like they, they are responding to and they are they are engaged in, just as we all, all are, this cosmic spiritual warfare between between the you know God and, and, and the enemy of God, which is Satan. And it's like this whole like, okay, how do so um, don't be surprised um, to to not take it personally. Mm-hmm. And then in that, to, to experience the, the humble confidence that comes from this fact that as the delivered people of God, you are going to be the aroma yep. to both the, to both people who are perishing and to people who are being saved. Yeah. So I think that's a that's like that helps us respond that, that in a way that doesn't necessarily ride uh, a crazy emotional roller coaster when mm-hmm. we experience different forms of the warfare. And maybe like that's the other part of the question is like, what does the warfare maybe look like? Yeah. I think the range would be everything from rejection mm-hmm. and there's really painful forms of rejection. So I don't mean to put that like at the low end of the, like there's really For painful, sure. like family lose, members, friends, relationships, a lot of animosity, uh, especially going into the holiday season where we may not sure. have family members that aren't Christians. And that's created weirdness in those dynamics. Lots of sure. tension and yeah. distance. And so there's, there's rejection, relational separation, those kinds of things mm-hmm. all the way to, Praying for the persecuted church this month. Yeah, You've got martyrdom. those different forms of persecution, including martyrdom. So that warfare takes that whole that whole spectrum. Um, we're most likely going to experience the rejection forms of it in, in the, the the culture that we live in in this moment. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what it would look like. But that's at least some some thoughts I have on that. Yeah. No, and that that's really helpful uh, on on that end of things too. And I mean. I, th- I think too, even as we're experiencing that type of rejection, knowing and understanding that like in that rejection, we're not alone. Like hmm. Christ was hung on a cross yeah, uh, right. by both his enemies and the people that love him. Like he, that's you know, right. he, he's up there on our behalf and uh, he, you know, Hebrews talks about him sharing in those things that we experience. Yeah. And in that there's, there's this joy of knowing that uh, he is there with us mm-hmm. in that struggle too, uh, which I think is really helpful to think yeah. about too in the midst of that. But also, that's an opportunity, uh, as you yeah. said, to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah. We're doing that this month. I encourage you to do that. Yeah. As you're thinking about the the warfare you might experience mm. as you're sharing the gospel, mm. man, like use that as an opportunity in your groups this week to be praying for yeah. our brothers and sisters around the world exactly, that right. the animosity is maybe actual war. Yeah. Yeah. For some people, uh, it's very literal it's physical war. It's literal yeah. physical war. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. The world is not yep. peaceful no. at the moment. Nope. And uh, man, use that as a as an opportunity to think beyond ourselves, even and, and pray for other brothers and sisters around the world. Yeah, that's right. I think that's really helpful to remind ourselves of. All right, so we're we're near the end here. Let's yep. So the, your final point was about delegation. Yep. Right. This idea that we have this shared responsibility. Yeah. Uh, so responding in worship mm-hmm. leads to continued ministry, I think, yep. is what you said yesterday. Yep. Uh, so we can talk about that all that we want. I think you have some questions, though, about that in your Bible study questions a little bit. Yeah, more. the application. Yep. So yep. we're going to drill down. And the question is this. Uh, what are your thoughts around unsanctioned church activity? So you talked about basically yeah. taking up our responsibility of the, the priesthood of all believers. And you asked some good application questions there. Mm-hmm. But this person is saying, 
do these unsanctioned things fit into the responsibilities of service that you were kind of calling us to yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or can they be in competition to coordinating ministries or coordinated church-sanctioned ministries, I guess you could say? So the listener uh, for has in mind book clubs, discussion groups, movie nights, social things. Yeah. So what are what are some of your thoughts there? What's the perspective of, of liberty in that vein, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so the way we've tried to kind of get around or not get around this, but kind of dive into this at Liberty over the years, I think of two things. I think of one that we've described ourselves, which is increasingly difficult the, huh. the more we've been at church, but we've, our, our, our aim is to be what we would call program minimalists, where we, we don't try to overburden people of the church with so many ministries and programs that require their volunteer uh, hours to yeah, run yeah. that we end up like taking up all of the margin and capacity they have in life to do the more, relational uh, ministry type work that they can do in their neighborhood, in their workplace, yeah. in their school. That takes time to do those rela- that relational kind of ministry, whether it's sharing the gospel with people, mm-hmm. whether it's caring for brothers and sisters in Christ, all of those things take energy and capacity. For sure. So we, we need certain programs in the church to equip the saints to do that Ephesians 4 equipping piece. For sure. uh, and we need volunteers to pull off those mm-hmm. different things. So that's really significant. But there's a, there's a real needle to thread there of like, let's do enough to equip but let's not do more than that so that people still have some capacity yeah. where they are. And so the, the other way we've tried to get at that is what we've called the one and a half, mm-hmm. which is where we, we ask everybody who's part of Liberty Church, an incumbent member, to have one ministry that, that takes up a couple hours of their week outside of our gathered worship time. And that can be you know leading a certain thing in our church. There, there's some people that do that inside the ch- church and certain key roles and leadership roles here. Yep. There's some people that do that outside with some of our local partners or some people mm-hmm. that have vocationally other kinds of roles that kind of does function as like a big ministry that they're just, we're just like, we bless that and go do that. Mm -hmm. And then we have the half, which is like um, still really significant, still really important, but doesn't require the outside of, of Sunday gathered worship kind of time. Mm -hmm. And just, it just kind of essentially is trying to give some structure to this. What does it mean for everybody to have some, some role to play? Distribute that, the, the, the wealth you could say amongst uh, the masses. Exactly. Rather, rather than have like the few people that have 20 things on their plate and like a bunch of people have nothing on their plate. So that's kind of a little framework just to build behind this question to say, um, what are my thoughts around unsanctioned church activities? I think if the unsanctioned church activities are for the sake of, loving and serving people that are brothers and sisters in Christ or for sharing the gospel with people, I am a hundred percent pro unsanctioned church activities. And in fact, it's, it's a sign of maturity in the church when there's that kind of ownership from people in the Mm -hmm. church that go do that. And that, and we, the way we've said it in the covenant class before is that we want to hold each other accountable to dream in ways Mm -hmm. that will actually live that out. Like, and so it's like, that's incredible as that's happening Maybe the caveat or question or, 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 you know, qualification to that would just be mm. to always kind of be, be thinking through our motives on that. Like yep. we could, like, I, I like movies. I like sports events. Like I could do those things and just do them because they're hobbies and they're kind of easier than taking yep. on certain other kinds of roles that don't seem as fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so my motivation could just be like, okay, I've got a thing I can point to to say I'm doing this mm. that actually isn't being um, that I'm not actually stepping into with full intentionality mm. to show up in that place for the sake of that ministry. Yeah. So I, I think, I think it does come down to, you know, are we actually, do we have intentionality to, and are we really trying from a motivation level to step into those places for that purpose? Or is it just like, is it just a hobby? And, and hobbies are fine yeah. too. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, hobbies are fine too, but but that's that's how I think about but, that motivation. But in evaluation of our own hearts, our motives, but also like looking at our schedules and yeah. saying, looking at our schedules and if if all of our events are social oriented, or even if all of our events are like serving oriented, sure. we've we've kind of misused that balance, and we're yeah. starting to even get into the over exhaustion that we even see of Moses in this text. There, sure. there has to be a balance of this enjoyment, but also using the intentional spaces that we've created in our lives, using yeah. our dinner tables, using our, our hobbies, using yeah. our workplaces, using our families as a missional outpost. Totally. Uh, we can't get around that. So right. if you're either avoiding that, yeah. or I think even avoiding the question of, are you owning your responsibility to step into a serving role yeah. uh, that helps make church happen, For right? Sure. Um, that has that spiritual significance of actually prioritizing, I think you said the unity yeah. of the believers from Ephesians 4 yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think that, that those are some helpful questions to even be asking yourselves in your Bible study this week. Like, yeah. are you are you maybe going to one side versus the other? Are yeah. you and if if you're too extreme on either end, yeah. You should probably recalibrate that community. That's good. Uh, I think seems to be a helpful way to to look at all of those things. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's all of our questions. That's great. uh, For today. Good questions. Uh, Our system almost uh, backed out on us again. So Lord willing, you know, we'll probably wrap it up. Yeah. 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 Um, Any other final thoughts though for Bible studies this week, Matt? No, take a look at those um, the questions that are in that Google Doc um, in your group there, and feel free to use those as a springboard. But thanks to all of you that are asking these really good questions. Uh, really appreciate that, and I think there's you know more than enough probably content to to dive into this week. Maybe the to just reiterate what you said earlier, Jenna, just that, and even piggybacking on last week's maybe of exhorting one another. Mm-hmm. Um, that was so that we wouldn't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. But the yeah. exhortation here to both. Be, you're human, so rest when you need to, but also sure. step fully into the the incredible opportunity that we are given as as the delivered saints of God. You know, to do the work of ministry. It's a it's a it's what's compelled yeah. people like you and me mm-hmm. to give our lives to this in a vocational way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's um, whether you do that vocationally or not. There's just a beautiful vision to what you're invited to use your life for. Uh, yeah. as part of God's delivered people. So like envision each other with that, exhort one another with that, help each other find those places that, to be part of global mission and shared yeah. ministry. Like I, I think that could be a huge and, way. To and then the it. third thing, make sure that you're praying uh, this month for yeah. the, our persecuted brothers and sisters Great around point. the world, just to reiterate that yep. uh, as well. It's a, a really a good exercise to think outside of ourselves in the context in which we live, where yeah. we have freedom to gather and worship That's right. uh, and to have our hearts set on the nations because our God does. Right? Right. And That's we right. see that on display in in an unlikely place here in Exodus, all yeah. over, all over the Bible, yeah. uh, and what a what a joy and encouragement that uh, we are uh, redeemed to something as well. Yeah. Uh, like you talked about that yesterday, they're delivered to something. They're delivered sure. to God's law to live in enjoyment and worship and serve yeah. Him and reflect Him to the world, and uh, because of the kindness of, of of Jesus, we get to do that too. That's um, right. And that That's is right. not a small thing uh, no. to rejoice and celebrate in, especially with the craziness that I think we're surrounded with in the world at this present present yeah, moment. That's right. Awesome. That's right. Well, Good guys, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Matt, thanks for your time today, and yeah. uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Liberty B Side Podcast. Tune in next week for uh, a right double whammy because uh, Anthony <laughs> will be preaching. So a little That's preview right. for next week. That's right. All right, take care, everybody. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.